Hi, welcome back to Court Life Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all things good as I attempt to dig my way out of a court life crisis. This week, we're talking the new creator scheme and the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. But first, this episode is a little special because I have my first ever guest on the pod, Max Barrett. Say hi, Max. Woo, hello. Thank you for having me as guest numero uno. Thank you for coming. With every guest I have, I want to do a little icebreaker. You'll remember me messaging you about it last week. Uh, to show their personality, mm-hmm. to break the ice, to add a little bit of screen time, and to add a little bit of positivity, I always start with the same question. So, Max Barrett, what's good? What's good? Well, this week has been, for me, fitness. Uh, me and my family have been trying to come together uh, during this time at home and uh, spend some time learning some new fitness routines together. And that's been really like encouraging as a group to all push along with these exercises together we're focusing on that it's bringing us all together and it's just something that's been so uplifting for the whole family in this oh that's time. really good what kind of exercise i don't know have you have you seen um the joe wicks pe mornings on oh, youtube i have i don't I have. know <laughs> yeah we've been doing those so we don't we don't do them on the fridays we we've been doing them every wednesday and uh they're great because they're like live um sort of follow-alongs and it's very interactive and so many people are doing them across the world actually and uh, he has a really sort of light-hearted approach to exercise which is quite good for someone like me who up until now has only really exercised through like proper sports like badminton and football and this gives me another way to exercise from home which is really nice oh yeah it's super important too and actually kind of links to what we're going to talk about today because i invited you for a reason the whole theme of this month's load of podcasts has been togetherness and through the new create scheme we made a radio drama about the importance of the internet and the main way that the internet is important is bringing people together i think we decided yeah, well, I think it's um, a subject that's actually kind of proving its importance today, really. It's, uh, it's a, I mean, the, the, the drama itself is about if the internet went down and what would be the ramifications of that. And this kind of situation when we're all at home is just going to show just how important the internet is and the, the, the good ways of using it. I've seen so many amazing positives to come from internet experiences video calling you know online games people can play the, these exercises i just mentioned from joe's fitness classes wouldn't be able to do that without the internet definitely i think we rely on it a lot and as the radio drama says sometimes we rely on it a little too much i'm just going to break down what the new creative scheme does uh, the new creative scheme offers emerging artists commissioning opportunities to create new content in film, audio, or interactive media. It's designed for BBC platforms. They regularly look for artists between 16 and 30 to develop their creative ideas and help them to make it. Max wrote and directed The Day the Internet Stood Still, which is available on BBC Sounds now. I produced the project and recorded it nearly a year ago. Max, quickly run us through how you got involved, what your general process was like to make the project. The fact that we recorded and made that thing nearly a year ago blows my mind. So, I mean, the the actual process of making it almost goes to 
I mean, a year and a half ago, really. Um, Joe Nolan, who's uh, the head of Screen South, um, it's based in Folkestone. She came to Canterbury Christchurch University, where me and Dan study, uh, and did a Screen South talk, encouraging us all to submit for either the film, audio, or interactive. Uh, and I immediately went away and uh, started working on this audio drama. I had never written an audio drama before. Uh, most of my work had been in film, but I was working in radio at the time and still am. And and it's been a passion that's only really grown as a result of the project. But I initially didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to talk about. And then um, I had a conversation with my dad about different events and things. And we were just talking and spitballing ideas, really. And uh, I think he just set the title to me. And I was like, yes, that's the one. That's what we're making. Um, and then it just all went from there. We, uh, I submitted the idea. You go through the uh, interview rounds and then um, you sort of shape and mold the idea as you go um, until you've got a version that's ready to be created. And that actual process from initial script to creating it is so streamlined, so great for like a first time artist like myself working, you know, with a budget, with an incredible team, hadn't done all that stuff before. Uh, and this was my chance to work through that. Uh, I, I think, and the thing I like to bring up with my project was I don't think like one line from the first draft made it into the final piece, but yet everything about the essence of the idea was maintained the whole way through and I couldn't be more happy with the journey that me and Dan both went on from initial script to making it. You're 100% right. Uh, it is a real collaborative effort as well. Like your dad talking to you is a major factor of why your idea exists. Uh, we should say as well, it's an awful lot about luck. A lot of people had wonderful ideas. You happened to submit at a time when it was still quite new. Um, and it was kind of a learning curve for a lot of people involved. A couple of times, I think you said that uh, during a busy round, your idea probably wouldn't have gotten chosen, which is insane. Well, I think um, it's it's also the timeliness of the idea is something that they like are, are big advocators of. So why does this story need to be told now? And I think that a key reason why the the story was chosen was the the timeliness of the internet. It's I mean it's so it's been so influential in the last few years, and the the way we use it and the amount we depend on it is actually very interesting i mean you came to me with a story from your work about the use of the internet and when i started asking people like because uh, interviewing people was a big part of this project as well uh, and every time i asked people about what it would be like without the internet the uh, responses were almost you know really large scale things they thought would be changing and that's kind of when i and screen south kind of knew that this was an idea that could run, I think, because we um, knew that once I said the idea, it got everyone around the table thinking, and uh, that was important for both ends. Um, but I think there were so many amazing things submitted in, in other rounds, and I, li like you said, extremely lucky uh, and fortunate to be chosen. Bouncing off what you said about uh, the interviews, we should say too, with every project, uh, so many people are involved. The script was an amalgamation of several interviews, you recorded them, and we each wrote a couple transcripts. Uh, you compiled them into a script. Uh, we did rely on a team quite a lot, as all radio workers do. A cool group of, I think, probably around seven people made that script possible through their interviews. They made the dialogue, the situation, and most importantly, the characters feel real. Uh, what made you pick the people you interviewed, and what did you learn from those interviews? 
Uh, the reason I picked the people to interview is I knew I wanted to tackle it from a young student perspective. Uh, the people that have not grown up in a world without the internet. Uh, ones where it's always just kind of been there. And um, I, I came back from a, a scripting session where we'd sort of come to the conclusion that this would be a really good idea to to take this approach with the script. Uh, and I went back to class and uh, I looked around, you know, at my wonderful classmates and I thought this could be a really great place to start. So interviewed everyone one by one. Um, or I think, yeah, it's a group of seven or eight. And I think the, the bit for me was to, to make sure that I got this right was to make sure I was asking the right questions to uh, really get to the essence of what each person thought would happen without the internet and then uh, it was a case of mixing those interviews um, spending a long time with each person I think I interviewed each person for about 40 minutes each um, in some cases it might have been a bit less than that in some and uh, then taking those away transcribing all of the interviews and then picking out the parts that were most like the 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 key essences of certain questions and that was I think my favorite way of doing it because I've realized over the past couple of years of university but I think Screen South was the moment I realized this is I'm fascinated by interviewing people we both know as podcasters that um, interviewing is an incredible format like what we're doing right now and I am fascinated with how people answer questions on the spot and uh, where their mind wanders as they're speaking like I am right now I'm sort of deconstructing myself as I go and um, when posing the question I got such incredible answers from everyone uh, in fact there was one interview that I didn't get to use and I really want to spin it into something in the future with the, that person because th there was just so much high quality stuff there and I realized you know I've just come to my class and spoken to eight people that I'm surrounded by there must be other amazing stories and like what you said about teamwork every step of the process someone had considered what they would do without the internet so when we were actually on our recording day I know we're jumping a little ahead here um, one of the uh, actresses um, came to me and started speaking about you know she really considered what her situation would be without the internet and I could immediately tell that this idea was resonating I think that's really encouraging when um, your idea draws people in, when people show an interest to it. Um, obviously, compromises have to be made. I remember initially planning to record in Canterbury on location, local businesses, and we were going to have a smaller crew dealing with local actors. As plans changed, we ended up recording in a really lovely studio in Brighton uh, to minimise our travel and maximise our possible output. That was only possible because we had a decent crew of people that had the resources available. Uh, we also used different actors from a wider pool to choose from. Was there anything you wish you could have had in the project that you had to lose? Or anything you wish you could have done differently? You see, I actually I actually am extremely proud of the project. And of course there are little bits I would change in mainly my own direction approach. Um, but I think that the result we got, the, the actual casting I think was perfect. Um, working with the exec producer um, me and her made sure we got the exact right cast for it and it was just such a great experience with that um, the only thing I could maybe could have asked for was maybe a bit more variety in the locations we recorded in for the atmosphere but then uh, our wonderful sound designer helped us really build the soundscape of that anyway so I think all of the things that I would have wanted extra the team kind of 
helped get to anyway and um luke hill who um i believe you're having on your podcast very soon um he did some wonderful music for it and um i don't actually think that there would be anything i would change because even though i can see improvements that i would want in the project now for for that stage of my you know career and for that learning process uh, I'm thoroughly happy with the result. Every time I listen to it, though, I can always hear like um, one little bit of dialogue, which I maybe would have asked like an actor to do again, just because uh, of you know wanting to get maybe a different feel for it, um, more from my directing perspective again. But you know, for for the situation we were both in, I think we were were we 19 or we were 20 at the time when we made that, weren't we? I I had just turned 20. I think it was like 10 days after my birthday. Yeah, I. I'm so just so happy with what we've both achieved for the level of experience and that so there wouldn't be anything I would say that I was upset that we lost maybe as I said there was the one interview with someone that I really wish we could incorporate and when I was cutting that out of the script it, it felt difficult to lose but I could see why we were losing it and I think in the future still it's a there's an element within that interview that I do want to revisit and potentially put into new ideas so it's definitely not going to waste yeah definitely um that is a shame though the uh compromises we made with timelines how long we had to record we recorded in one day we edited the next day it was a very jam-packed weekend yeah um, i think it, it, it really was uh <laughs> it, it was it's crazy because you spend about sort of and I know things are different for the film side of it. I'm strictly talking from the radio. Um, you spend about sort of four months in and out of emails, sort of part-time, you know, getting everything to work towards this one moment. And then in two days, the whole of that moment is there. And you go from having nothing physical to show for all this work to having a complete polished radio drama, which you know the audio turnaround time is so fast like you said one day to record it one day to edit it and i tell you what when we got on that train back home from brighton because it's a three-hour train journey uh firstly that train journey felt so short it felt like about five minutes and sitting on that seat knowing that we'd done it was i was exhausted because of how much we put into it we like left our hearts on the table back in that studio it was uh something really special to be honest and uh i think the turnaround time is a real eye-opener to me to what the industry is like and um how you are expected to turn things around quite quickly to a high standard but that is a challenge and one that you know i certainly welcomed with open arms yes and definitely definitely and it's not a challenge that we could have done alone i as producer relied a lot on executives to guide me as i managed finances contacting cast members booking hotels, and the list goes on. Uh, on the recording day, a lot of my producer work was done. Uh, my main focus was making sure we were kept on track, note-taking as we record, and, and general advice. Uh, I also managed our expenses for the whole production. We worked a lot on the internet. It was like an additional part-time job, and we both already had part-time jobs at the time. Um, how, how did you find maintaining that work scheme? I, I really enjoyed it. Again, um, it's quite coincidental that for a piece that talks about life without the internet, uh, we spent most of our time on this project in, you know, phone calls, 
emails. Without the internet, this project could simply have not been made in the uh, time frame we did because, as you said, you were you were working a part-time job. I was working um, within radio. And if anything, my workload at the, at the radio was actually increasing exponentially more than it ever had before. I believe, yeah, it was about March this time last year where I started to actually even gain more traction with my work and as a freelance filmmaker. So it's a lot to juggle. But I think one thing that makes the project so great is that Whilst it is a serious commitment, um, it is on you to sort of get the work done. And uh, as long as it's within the deadlines, you can build it around your life schedule. And uh, they are very understanding at Screen South too. Uh, so they'll work with you to make it the best it needs to be. They'll give you the time you need. Uh, as long as it's all sticking to the deadlines, it's it's really good. So I found the the things that helped me juggle it was sort of allotting time to things but also trying to maintain like hobby space because you need to be able to step back. And I think in the uh, in the start, it was a lot to manage at first because I had two part-time jobs, my uni and then this project. And deciding to actually allot some time where, hey, I don't do any work, I don't go out, uh, I maybe socialize uh, was actually quite counterintuitively very important because it just it just allows you to take a step back and then once you revisit the work it uh you come at it with a whole new energy i know that if i um did a bit of work for the screen south project and then i went away did some study for uni did a shift at the radio and then um hung out with some mates and then i went back to the screen south thing i had a whole fresh new set of eyes because i hadn't seen it for maybe four days and uh, I had some emails to answer and then we could go through loads of things together. Uh, and I think that's the way I did it, you know, make, spreading out all the steps. And I think you were a big part of this because you helped manage the finance side. And I think having a producer is just so important um, and, you know, managing a workflow. But everyone's workflow is going to be different. That was just mine. <laughs> yeah, I think having a producer-director relationship where you can see each other as friends as well is quite useful because A, you trust them, and B, you get work done without even noticing. We would have conversations just on the way to uni, and I'd come home and think, wow, we actually got work done without thinking about it. But you're right, the project itself yeah. wouldn't have been possible without the internet. The drama brings up uh, how the internet can complicate things, how scary it is to lose something we rely on. But I think one of the key takeaways, for me at least, was how important it is to unplug yourself every once in a while. Yeah, I think that was the case for me. And uh, going out and spending time with friends, I mean, at the moment, obviously, it's a difficult with, you know, being at home. But spending time with friends and with things away from the work is so important. And I know in the initial stage for me, I wasn't doing enough of that. Um, and, you know, we all go through peaks and troughs where sometimes you're doing too much work. And then sometimes you might not have enough coming in. And managing that is always something that's difficult in a freelance life, but very possible. And I think when I was doing the Screen South project, actually having friends in summer that I could go and see and, you know, we could go for a walk. We, I did a lot of photography walks in summer in and around the time that we were making this. Um, sort of between Canterbury and Chartham, there's this beautiful little walk and we used to um, take our cameras out there and just go and take photos and that was so nice to have alongside 
the the project because it meant I could step back and actually think whilst I was walking. So if my mind wandered to work, like you said, with just talking at university, it doesn't really feel like work, but you're still getting something. And if I'm doing a photography walk and I have a new realization for the script, that's uh, valuable in both sense because I've technically done some work and I've had some relaxing time. So, you know, um, it, it works both ways. Yeah, definitely. I, I find that I'm a lot more productive when I take a step back as well. I think that's a very important thing to remember. Um, but I also think it would be silly not to mention how much we're relying on the internet in our current situation. Max, since making the project, how do you look at the internet? Has your opinion changed uh, in the past year and has it changed recently as well? We've all had to make adjustments. Have, have you had much effect with that? You see, uh, when, when it comes to my opinion on the internet, I don't really feel like I have too much of one. What what this project was, was uh, and what I quite like to do with my writing is to give the, and that's why I chose to do it through interviews, to look at basically everyone else's opinions and see where they're sort of laying. My, my opinion really, if you boil down to it, is that I think the internet is utterly essential in our modern day lives. Um, and this time has only reaffirmed that i think the the project there were certain people's stories where they said their situation without the internet and i realized this is you know utterly utterly essential and now that we're in this situation i'm using the internet all the time i use it for my job i use it for socializing now in a way that i actually used to before as well if um if you remember, I, I used to talk about the social media app Meetup I used to use and still do. I still use Meetup. It's an app where you go on and you meet new people. But like the idea is you go to the events and you meet them. So you use the app to sign up and then you put your phone away and you go to the event, which is still happening in this time. And so I actually think it hasn't changed my opinion of the Internet too much. It's almost just reaffirmed it that if used in the right way, it can be absolutely incredible. We relied on so much collaboration from tutors, interviewees, executives, family, friends, and a lot of that work went uncredited, but their influences really felt felt throughout the project and continues to be felt now. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without a team you can trust and rely on. And while people often fixate on directors, producers, or actors, I think it's important to acknowledge the extent to which we need the people around us to do what we do. Um, yeah. What what made you pick the people you choose to work with and choose to socialize with? Oh, that is a that is a good question. Uh, I think people subconsciously get you know they bring around the people that it just it just happens. I think it's a completely subconscious thing how people fall into each other's lives. It's part luck, part situation, part you know having similarities and things and trust is a big one like you said like throughout the project throughout the project i never doubted that you would be on top of everything socializing i, I completely think it's just down to you know what you all have in common but like i said it, it's just a little bit of luck and a little bit of just subconsciously being drawn to being open with people it's the the people in the room that you feel like you can open up with and be social with, whether that's like in person at a pub or whether that's over a Zoom call or on an Xbox or a book club, you know, wherever you're placing yourself, you'll make friends. And in this time, you're still able to do that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that this is not a time 
where socializing and meeting new people is gone by any means and uh, there are communities still out there for everything i think that's a really lovely message to end on max thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure to speak to you uh tell us where we can find you Oh, where you can find me. So um, you can find me on Instagram at max underscore Barrett dot official. That's where I post most of my work stuff. Uh, and then also if you search the My Generation podcast, that's my show. In fact, me and Dan spoke about this subject as well in a, in a different format on my show uh, a little while ago as well. So if you search the Daily Internet Stood Still, My Generation podcast, uh, I'm on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you can think a podcast will be, it should be. Uh, and you can hear me and Dan talk about this if you want to hear it all again in a different format with some other little details and stories from Dan's perspective too. You can go find me over there. Thanks for having me, Dan. It was a pleasure. Interviewing Max raised a lot of interesting points about how much we need the internet. When I produced The Day the Internet Stood Still, I was working a part-time job at a hospital help desk. The two days before we recorded the radio drama, I had 16 hour shifts. 32 hours in two days. Nurses and doctors would call our office and we would create jobs for porters, caterers and domestic cleaners. Through the internet we would enter those jobs into a system and assign them to relevant people. The entire job relied on the internet, as so many jobs do during this epidemic. The impact the internet has right now is incredible, and Max is right. The things happening today just reaffirm how much we need the internet, how much we need each other for our everyday lives. The day the internet stood still is available on BBC Sounds. It will be the first link in the description. I'm proud of the work we put into it, and if you have 17 minutes to spare, I would love it if you could give it a listen. For more information about the importance of video calling, consider listening to the last episode of Court Life Crisis, all about video calling and Paddington Bear. Both seemingly trivial topics, but both incredibly important in the cultural zeitgeist to promote togetherness. This is so important in this lonely time. After the break, I'll be talking about Sam Raimi's 2002 Spider-Man film. But first, I just want to thank our incredible team one more time. Without the help of everyone involved in the day the internet stood still, the production might not have happened, and it certainly wouldn't have been as good. So thank you. Like almost everything in the world, that production was better because we worked together. And that's something no amount of words would ever be able to sum up. Right off the bat, Spider-Man isn't my favourite superhero movie. Or even my favourite superhero. I do, however, think the most important superhero film is the 2002 Sam Raimi-directed Spider-Man. Spider-Man came out when I was three years old. This is an 18-year-old film. It's a little dated, but it came out when I was very young. And it's about a young man finding his way in life. To a 20-year-old man going through a quarter-life crisis, there is no way of tackling this without being entirely biased. A good comic book movie tells an interesting story in a visually pleasing and narratively compelling way, with richly detailed characters portrayed by well-cast actors turning in an endearingly great performance. That makes it sound like turning in a decent comic book movie, or any decent movie at all, should be easy. But as we found out with every single Fantastic Four film, relying on flashy costumes and action gimmicks doesn't make a good story. The characters do. If the characters didn't matter, Hollywood would be making new superheroes instead of paying to acquire the rights to pre-existing ones. If all there was to Superman was his powers, if Spider-Man wasn't a compelling character, Hollywood would simply make movies about a different character. But they don't, because while the gimmicks and the costumes are nice, instantly familiar even, the characters are what keep people coming back. 
Peter Parker is a hard character to crack, because his life doesn't make him exciting. He isn't cool or funny, he isn't overly rich, and he doesn't have many friends. In fact, the one thing he does have are parental figures that, at his age, he is hotwired to take for granted. He's a regular person. Not only does his life suck, but he's whiny about it. Even when he gets powers, his life doesn't improve much. His very first Spider-Man story ends with his uncle's murder, and him inadvertently causing it by being selfish. Superpowers don't solve all his problems, because his problems have almost always been who he is as a person. He never stops being his own worst enemy, something that is very human. I could spend all day talking about the nine-star characters of Spider-Man, but I want to focus more on the theme of the month, togetherness. And to do that, I'm going to have to talk about something that isn't overwhelmingly wholesome. Spider-Man was released shortly after a major tragedy. I'm talking, of course, about 9-11. I won't talk about it much, but I will talk about the impact, because that really is what makes Spider-Man so impactful for me. Not when I first saw it, but as I rewatch it today. Setting Spider-Man in the world it was created, written, and filmed, New York in 2001, is deeply impactful in ways no one could have predicted. Spider-Man is, at his roots, a teenager from Queens, New York. And a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is nothing if not a symbol of a community. New York is a city built on optimism, forward thinking, futurism, and progress. With that in mind, it's no surprise that the first film to truly break the decade-long stranglehold of gritty superhero films is Spider-Man. To see the landscape damaged, to see those people dealing with a man-made disaster in real life, it is so important that we also see the good. The heroes. Spider-Man has always been an icon for Queens, but he is not the only hero. So let's talk context. Spider-Man was filmed in 2001, released eight short months after the tragedy. In a very early trailer, Spider-Man traps criminals in a helicopter in a giant web between the two towers. There were discussions about removing the World Trade Center from the background of shots, but the effect goes far deeper than just editing. The film was adamant about being positive, either because of or in spite of 9-11. You hear the stories even today, people wondering if they can laugh anymore, if they can believe in heroes or good. The cultural zeitgeist needed community, catharsis, togetherness, and no film really managed to provide that to the masses until about halfway through the film. Let me set the scene. Spider-Man is hanging helpless from a bridge, holding a rail car from a wire. He is trapped and he cannot move. The Green Goblin is fast approaching and there is no choice to make. Surely anything that happens would result in innocent life lost, until New Yorkers start fighting back. They're united in a cheesy and almost cartoonish way, throwing debris, yelling, but I would argue that this is 100% appropriate, 100% necessary. In the world of 2002, this was the exact right feeling at the exact right time. It wasn't just entertainment or art, it was heart and culture. In a film where they haven't even mentioned 9-11, the impact is felt. The community is felt. In a film full of great moments, this is the one that fuels the most earned, whether added before or after the event. This doesn't feel like pandering, but in any other context it might. Spider-Man has always, in essence, been the hero of a people. A symbol to rally around, and in a post-9-11 world, that was needed. It was exactly the right movie at exactly the right time, but that sense of catharsis, of people, of heroes, and hope, that sticks around. If Spider-Man was a bad film, 
comic book movies wouldn't have died, but they would likely have been set back a couple years. The hope we feel now wouldn't have died, but it would probably have been set back a couple of years. We needed Spider-Man, and I think that need was met. In a time of crisis, people find help in a lot of ways. It could be making something new, sharing with people you care about, or finding comfort in the familiar. There are hundreds of ways, and with the current epidemic, many people are finding them. In 2002, Spider-Man, and the community it showed, was something to rally around. And I think that was essential. The world needed Spider-Man like it needs the NHS today. Like it needs community, care, and consideration. Because when things get scary, when things seem dark, a reminder that we aren't alone is so important. I give Spider-Man 9 stars but I give it Spirit of Community a 10 out of 10. And that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. If you want to help make the podcast grow, consider reviewing, sharing, or contributing to my Patreon. There are no show notes this week. Everything is listed down below, but you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at it's Mr. Dan J. You can email qlcpod at gmail.com for questions, suggestions, or just to say hi. And you can find The Day the Internet's Still on BBC Sounds via the link in the description along with all of Max's socials. Thank you again, Max, for joining us today. I'll see you all in two weeks, but for now, stay safe, stay kind, and, if you can, go do something good. <laughs>